Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Pastor's Cut podcast. I am so glad that you've decided to join us today. With us today, we have a slightly different crew. We're actually missing Brad back in the sound booth. Brad is out sick today. so I know. So I got to go press the button to start recording and then run all the way over here from the (laughs) studio. We do have with us a guest. So, Brett, welcome. Hello, hello. Hello, Brett. Brett, our fun intern. Marissa (laughs) is always with us. And I'm here. Darren and the team from Israel should be landing today or if they haven't yet. And so we'll get to see them back here next week for the next round of our podcast. Today, we're going to be looking at Numbers 11, looking at the second week of our anxiety teaching series. But before we get there, we were talking a little bit before we got started about what it would look like for us to have a fun icebreaker. And so (laughs) we were... Joking on the way over, I was walking with Brett. We were talking about some childhood TV shows that we watched from from years gone by. And so I thought that would be a fun way to begin. So think about it as as you're driving or listening wherever you are. What did you like to watch when you were a child? For me, I, I'll, I'll start off because it's only fair <laughs> since I asked the question. If, if I go first, as, as a child, I used to love watching Darkwing Duck after school. I... Um, as a teenager, I absolutely loved Magnum PI's 308 Fire or Firebird, his his Ferrari. Um, I know, I know, his 308 Ferrari was was gorgeous. Um, I always used to love as a child watching Mash because my dad came home from work about the same time Mash reruns were on TV. That sounds very familiar to me. We watched a lot of Mash, a lot of Little House on the Prairie, a lot of um, Saint Elsewhere. Um, and Hill Street Blues. I don't know if you're going from that era. Um, And yeah, those shows just remind me of watching TV with my parents. Definitely not shows that I would have chosen as a young child, but they mean family to me. And you brought up Darkwing Duck. Rescue Rangers film is coming out. Mm -hmm. Very excited about the Rescue Rangers film. Um, What a wonderful piece of cinema. Brett? I mean, I grew up in the golden age of cartoons of the early 2000s, uh, <laughs> but a weirdly, like a weird show. Not that a I lot gr- of Magnum P.I. No. You're watching. No. But okay. a weird show I liked growing up was Walker, Texas Ranger. All right. Okay. I there you go. I don't know how I got into it, but once I did, yeah. binge the whole thing. Nice. Classic. <laughs> See, I had to wait on USA to, for new episodes and you could binge them when you were a child. This is true. I had to wait for CBS, yeah. USA. <sighs> Every Saturday night. Every Saturday night, man. It was fun. What do you mean you couldn't (laughs) pause it? (laughs) Live TV? What? All right. So we are we are gonna be this podcast is exploring numbers chapter eleven. We're looking into week two of our anxiety teaching series. This as we're recording this, this Sunday starts our our anxiety teaching Mm -hmm. series. But by the time this you get to have this and start preparing <laughs> to study for your community group. We will have hopefully already been in one round of it. And so we're looking at Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 34, looking at an episode from Moses and what happened in his life as he was wrestling with the Israelites, not literally, but figuratively. <laughs> so with that being said, 
Marissa, I'm going to open it up to you. What what stood out from the text? Or maybe we should even summarize the text. I think it's a little long to read. It se, is a little bit long to read. Do you want to summarize it real quick? Go for it. All right. Well, um, Moses and the people had been wandering in the wilderness um, for quite some time. The people began to crave other food besides manna. They wanted quail, or not quail specifically, but meat, something different. And that broke Moses. <laughs> just hearing that complaining one more time just kind of sent him into a tailspin, a tantrum um, to God about um, how can you do this to me? How can you burden me with these people? <laughs> um, and uh, and so God gives him provision, both in the form of meat for the people, but also in the form of these elders, these people that could come up beside him and carry the burden of leadership with him. So, um, and just going through the scripture, um, I stopped on that second word, rabble, and that's an NIV translation of um, what is used in other spots as mixed multitude or foreigners, but there were people within the camp that weren't Israelites. You know, we kind of seem to think that, or, you know, if we're not thinking too critically about it, that everyone in the camp believed in God, that everybody in the camp was on the same page. How could they keep being, how could they keep losing their faith or how could they keep complaining? when they've seen all that God has done for their people. But there were many different people in this group. Um, this mixed multitude included a lot of freed slaves um, that came with them um, in Exodus 12, but also a lot of people who were just kind of opportunists, people who wanted to see what was up, um, wanted to travel, wanted to see what the future held. They had a lot of large flocks and herds, and they were a mixed group of people. So if you can imagine deciding to uh, be a part of this migration, hopeful that you're going to find new lands, that you're going to find new riches, a new future for your family, and you find yourself wandering in the desert for 40 years. And it's like, I have followed the wrong group of people. <laughs> None of this makes sense to me. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. There's only manna to eat. Uh, this should have taken like a week's journey. And why are we still here? You don't know God. You don't know the history that God has with these people. And you're wondering, do they have a map? <laughs> because this is crazy. <laughs> so these are the ones who um, begin the complaining. Um, they're the ones who are kind of regretting their decision to be there in the first place. And uh, they're just going up to their neighbors saying, uh, excuse me, what's going on here? None of this makes sense. Did you notice that we're walking in circles? Did you notice that we've had manna only to eat? None of this makes sense. And that's when the people started to think, hey, does this make sense? And it started to shake the faith of those who did have a history with God, who did have a belief in God, um, that uh, that this confusion um, amongst the mixed multitudes was causing a crisis of faith within the Israelites as well. But all this, um, this kind of continue with that idea, which is something that maybe you guys mm -hmm. can talk about in your community groups, is this seems really, really familiar to me. Um, that um, we have friends and neighbors and loved ones who are outside the church that kind of think that we're crazy because they don't have that history, that same worldviews, that same faith in God. And with outside eyes, you know, just as something as small as choosing to go to church instead of brunch on a Sunday seems like a gigantic waste of time um, that we have to f sometimes feel like we have to justify. Um, but does that cause anxiety with you? Um, and just think of the wider political situation, everything that's going on right now on both yes. sides of the aisle. We have people who want to find truth, who want to pursue justice, but don't understand the source of truth and justice. Right, right. And then we have people who are asking people to live according to the standards of God that those other people don't believe in. 
this can be very anxiety inducing. <laughs> and there's a lot of, of unrest in our own camp. America's trying to get to this promised land, but they don't desire to know or understand the one that guides them. So that right, might be right. something to consider as you talk to your community. Groups. It, while you're talking about that, it might even be helpful to start thinking about why, why is it so easy for us to get sucked in to those debates or those arguments or, or the conversations? Wasn't it nice back when, when, when you could do this or do that or whatever? It's so many times it goes down a rabbit trail. That's, that's never a good place to right. land. Um, I, I can't help as I read this passage, but, but think about for those that, that were listening to CCM music in the 70s and 80s, <laughs> Keith Green and his song, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. Um, my parents loved that as a kid. So <laughs> for the, the five of you that know what I'm talking about, that's awesome. For the rest of you, Google So You Want to Go Back to Egypt and take a listen to the song or don't. Just look at the lyrics. Um, Keith Green talked about this era, how, how people longed for something that was before and they just grumbled and complained all the time about that. But one of the commentators I read even said that they just wanted something simple. They were so longing for something that was familiar that, that they thought, man, if I could just have meat, it's, it's simple because mm-hmm. apparently there were so many fish, different seasons in the Nile River, easily accessible that you could fish and easily walk away with enough to feed your whole family. Right. And that might have just happened once, right? But when you think about our oh, nostalgia yeah. about the past, <laughs> funny? Yes. Like, we could have been by the river. That might have happened once in their life that they had the onions and the leeks and the, the fish that they are talking about now. It right. wasn't as good as they're remembering. Right. And that's typically how it works. But yep. still, we're, we're drawn into that time and time again. Yep. Brett, you've been pretty quiet up to this point. You guys have had good things. But as I'm <laughs> looking at the back half of this, uh, noticing Moses's kind of outburst, I feel a little bit more of that connects with my generation, not to disparage the older folks in the room, but as the resident like rookie kid, mm-hmm. our tendency is definitely to throw a tantrum and go, why is this my responsibility? I'm no one's nanny. I didn't create these people. You know, not my circus, not my monkeys. There's even a joke going on online about that because everyone my age loves to be an entrepreneur and start their own business. So people are posting little videos going like, why hasn't marketing put out our new ad? Or why hasn't shipping <laughs> sent that order? And it's not my circus, not my mo- Oh, I'm self-employed. Like, <laughs> it's all on me. Even our, <laughs> like, our self-awareness has come full circle about it. But that's definitely where we would fall in this is going, I didn't, I didn't create this. Why is it my responsibility? Oh, and since it's all just going wrong, I'm just going to isolate and remove myself from it anyway. And not that Moses's, you know, cry for seeming suicide is the same as a withdrawal from responsibility, but it's that same, you know, I I want no part of this. Mm -hmm. That's definitely running rampant for us. Something else that may be worth discussing in your group as, as you're looking at Moses and what Moses did and how Moses threw his hands in the air and said, enough is enough. Maybe talk about what's, what's that point for you? Have you ever experienced that point where you just feel so overwhelmed, so, so discouraged about a situation, whatever you're in, that you just feel like you have to throw your hands in the air and say, I don't even know what to do. I don't know which way's up. And what do you do when you're in that place, when you're in that moment? Mm -hmm. What I love about Moses is he keeps pressing into God. He keeps having that conversation and dialogue with God. He doesn't, God doesn't leave him, but he also doesn't leave the conversation from God. He keeps Mm -hmm. that dialogue going. And through that dialogue, Moses seems to find his way out and through. Right. And that's great that he went to God with those troubles where the Israelites, you know, they had that open communication with God also yes. if they tapped into it, but they didn't go to him with his complaints. Uh, they they went to Moses. Um, or a cow. Yeah, depending. Or, yeah. Depending on the day. 
<laughs> but there are several factors that lead to Moses kind of breaking down in this way, in this really dramatic way. And two, I love that it says Moses is troubled before it kind of goes into his tantrum because that's such a hilarious understatement for what comes afterwards. <laughs> um, but his leadership is being challenged. His competency is being challenged. His God is being challenged. And he kind of has this... Uh, only true Scotsman thing where he feels like he's the only faithful man left in Israel. Uh, he feels completely alone with these burdens because he hasn't allowed um, other people to come alongside him. He's he's pushed other people away. And there's this William S. Burroughs quote that says, I began to get a feeling of being the only san- sane man in a nut house. It doesn't make you feel superior, but depressed and scared because there is no one you can contact. And that's where I think Moses was at the beginning of this, was just there's there's nobody saying I can talk to. There's nobody that can come alongside. But this tantrum is really dramatic, and I really love it <laughs> because it is so over <laughs> yes, the top. It's so yes. hyperbolic. And it's just the same kind. And you were talking about, like, what brings you to your breaking point? It's painful to think about, but we've all been in these situations. I don't know, Brett. No, you know, less, less life. Um, but, I'll, uh, I'll lay it out right now. <laughs> but it's this, it just totally reminds me of this totally uh, uh, relatable feeling of just kind of having words stumble out of your mouth and you cannot make them stop in this kind of irrational hysterics where you realize how irrational you're being, but you can't stop it. And I think we've all been in a heated, embarrassing argument with a partner or a friend or a parent and it's really painful to think back on how we, we talked because yes. it doesn't even make sense. No. Um, and we realize how childish we sound and how confused our accusations are. And, and man, what a victim we all are in those moments of just feeling very at the end of our rope. And yet we like wallowing for some reason in that the victimhood there's something about that in that moment where we just feel like i just want to be a victim for a few minutes come on (laughs) yeah yeah. give this to me (laughs) i I love in i don't even remember where it was this phrase that's used a couple of times the arm of the lord Hmm. that god is still stronger than than those feelings in those moments in those places and situations and god wants to rescue us my arm's too short thank you yeah Yep. And I, I also, too, love when we're talking about how silly he's been in this moment is that tradition tells us that Moses wrote numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So you just think of somebody looking at their old live journal or their old social media or their old journal um, and being really uh, just how cringy that is. Well, Moses had to write that down and it's part of scripture. So always yeah. delete your old tweets. Yes. <laughs> Only he didn't. He kept them in. Yeah. Yeah. No blast my cash for Moses. Well, and the hard part about it, the hard part about it too, is that this is not just like a one-off scene happening to Moses. This is a journey culminating in a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we went through Exodus, Leviticus, and now eleven chapters into Numbers before he finally snaps. The build-up to this moment is kind of what I think leads into that twisted catharsis of I want to be the victim. I want to throw this tantrum. In my experience, it is that you think it's catharsis. You think it's justification of I'm going to wallow in my pain. I'm going to throw a fit. I got my word vomit out. I've earned this because of everything that's behind me. Well, just because you close the door on a closet full of junk does not mean you've cleaned it up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tried. <laughs> and then I had to open the closet for my coat and was buried mm. in junk. And if that metaphor got too deep, I'm sorry. but <laughs> That's all right. Like that pile of coats on top of you. You see, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's there. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. <laughs> And so the final the final point of this passage there's is it is it takes a turn after after God appoints seventy elders and and they're they're doing their thing two of the elders ended up not being with the group mm-hmm. they start prophesying 
And then Joshua gets jealous for Moses on yeah. Moses' behalf and said, hey, wait a minute here. These guys are doing what you're supposed to do. How does that work? <laughs> um, what did you guys pick up from that part of the passage? Well, it just kind of goes to show just how not alone Moses was, um, mm-hmm. that uh, God did provide these elders, but this the scripture is really explicit in the fact that these elders had been respected members of the community for a long time. Moses just hadn't tapped into them for some reason. Um, and as a, I, I don't throw the Enneagram on, around very often because, you know, it's, it's the Enneagram. But as an introverted type five on the Enneagram, this is very relatable to me. Same. Um, where Moses says, you have laid the burden of all these people on me. I'm not able to bur- bear all these people alone because the burden's too heavy. You've given all this to me. Um, but God never told him to bear it alone. Um, Moses just kept forgetting to look around at the people around him. And I imagine that there were points where Moses felt it was just easier, that he could handle it better um, doing things on his own. And he forgot that he didn't need to when things became really hard. And um, and so those people that he didn't think were around him weren't around because he had pushed them away. Um, so first of all, God was with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God was yes. with him, yes. <laughs> which he was forgetting about. Um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, when he was dealing with his own anxiety, his own thorn in his flesh, um, God answered him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then secondly, God repeatedly in uh, in Exodus, in, November, in Numbers, in Leviticus, repeatedly brings other gifted and supportive people to Moses to remind him that he's not alone. And he has to, you know, we always think about the Hebrew children as these people who have to constantly be reminded of what God's provided for them. Well, Moses is exactly the same way. He brought him Jethro. He brought him Zipporah. He brought him Miriam and Aaron. And then Joshua, that's what keyed all this in my mind to me. Joshua was this amazing champion. Uh, He totally had his elders back. Um, And he, uh, think of Jethro in Exodus 12. I mean, all of this is just a repeat of, of Jethro saying, hey, you need to bring people around you. Yes. You need to share this burden with other people. Yes. And just like the Israelites who keep saying we're starving when man is all over the ground and we need meat when there's herds and flocks all around them, uh, Moses is exactly the same way when he says he's alone, when he's surrounded by elders, he's surrounded by friends that love God and love Moses who have been by his side from the very beginning. I love that. I love how you just pulled out community from this passage, yeah. that there's something so significant about... we. Whatever we're walking through makes us feel alone, like we're the only ones who experience that ever. But the truth is God always puts other people around us. Mm. We're not alone. We don't, there's always somebody else who's experiencing what you've experienced in some sense, in some capacity. Right. Um, But if you open your mouth, you share that with other people, other people want to walk with you. Certainly God wants to walk with you in in the middle of that. But you have to put your pride down. Kind of do. That's hard. That is hard to yeah, do. Yeah. Well, Moses seems to a little bit when he answers Joshua. Right. If only all of Israel's people were prophets. You're talking about the leader of a community. You know, just openly stating, no. If everyone, not that Moses is perfect, but if everyone could do what I do, if everyone was just as great as you think I am, Joshua, that would be even better. Yeah. If only all of God's people were prophets. If only everyone in the community can lead. And my goodness, I mean, he he knew firsthand in Exodus 19. God said he wanted everyone to get to experience his presence. And then the people said, no, not us. We need a mediator. You go alone. Mm-hmm. We, we're not going to do it. So I, I think there's something to that, even mm-hmm. that, that Moses is reminiscing for a moment, kind of getting something, Joshua, but not quite there. Yeah, and yeah. 
but he's figured it out. Yes. And I think probably it's that moment that he's like, oh man, that prayer I said earlier was really embarrassing. <laughs> yes. Uh, any any last minute thoughts before we close up for the day? I just along what we were saying before, ask the people in your community group, if you're feeling anxious, are you being truthful and authentic with your community about the source of your anxiety? Are you allowing people to come beside you? Are you allowing people to carry your burdens? And could your anxieties be relieved? Because some of them can, some of them can't. But can some of your anxieties be relieved by sharing your burdens with others? That's a good one. Brett, what you got? Just because you're the leader of a group doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the best person to tackle those issues. If you see someone else in the group coming alongside a struggling member, don't step in. Don't take it over. Come alongside, sure. But just spur that on. Mm. So as, as you wrap up your group time together, my challenge to you then is, yes, look at, look at this, this issue of inviting other people in and, and being truthful with, with whatever you're feeling, with whatever you're carrying, and look for ways as a group to support other people who are really walking through struggles. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something that no one else can really relieve the pressure of, like you were speaking of earlier, just getting it out there, knowing that other people know about it and are praying with you, alongside of you, mm-hmm. in the middle of it, Sometimes it's enough to at least know that you're not alone, that you don't have to fight it alone anymore. And that's huge. Yes. Agreed. So with that, my (laughs) friends, I I want to encourage you have a great week. I I pray that you guys have a great time in your community group. I pray the Lord blesses you and keeps you and causes his face to shine upon you. And we will see you via this podcast again (laughs) next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Blessings, friends. Bye. Thank you.